Welcome to the City Church Sermon Podcast. City Church is a new church located in the city of Frisco, Texas, just north of Dallas. Our hope and prayer is that the following message can serve as an encouragement and as a blessing and inspiration in your walk with Christ. If you have any questions about City Church and want more information about us or you want to visit during one of our Sunday celebrations, please visit us online at citychurchfrisco.org or email us at hello at citychurchfrisco.org. If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at citychurchfrisco.org slash give. Thank you for listening. Father, we come before your presence. We glorify you today. We thank you for, for being so good. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for uh, the life that you give us. We thank you, Lord, for our families. We thank you, Lord Jesus, because um, everywhere we look, uh, even though at times we go through uh, storms and difficulties in life, but everywhere we turn, everywhere we look, uh, there's a, there are reminders of your love in our life. There are reminders of the blessings that you poured into our lives. And we just want to thank you today for that. And we just ask you also that you would speak into our lives, that you would speak into our hearts, that you speak into the need that is in each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. You may have a seat, hallelujah. Praise God. So last week we, we started a, a short sermon series that we're going to end today that we're calling The Waiting Room. Amen. And we talked about how none of us, none of us like to wait. You go to the doctor's office, you don't want to wait. Uh, nowadays, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but you go down the highway and there's billboards that already give you the amount of waiting time at the emergency room. I don't know how accurate it is, but, you know, it'll say five-minute wait. And we're like, oh, that's pretty good because, you know, last time I went to the emergency room, I probably waited 30, 45 minutes, maybe an hour. And um, I used to work at an emergency room and people would wait a long time. So now what people, the companies and the hospitals are trying to do is advertise their waiting times. Because no one likes to wait. We don't even like to wait at lunch when we have to heat up our food in the microwave. We don't want to wait. We want it to come quickly and we want it to hurry up. Especially when you have a five-minute meal you got to heat up. It's like, oh my goodness, this is taking forever. Amen. But from time to time in our lives, we find ourselves in uh, God's waiting room. Where maybe there's been a promise made to us. Maybe there is an expectation that we have that God is going to come through. We, we read his word and, and we find all these blessings and these promises that are made to you, that are made to me. And, and we sit back and we wonder, well, when is it going to be my time? When is it going to be my day? When is God going to answer my prayer for healing? When is God going to answer my prayer for restoration of my relationship? When is God going to answer the need that I have in my heart? And we find ourselves in God's waiting room. Romans chapter 8 verse 28. We looked at this verse last week that it says that we know that in all things, everyone say all things. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. See, even that, that, that thing, that difficult thing, that difficult thing you're going through right now, that storm, that, that, dark, that dark night that you're going through, it says, the word says that he is working for good even through that 
bad situation we're going through. He's working for good for those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. And, and the waiting room many times, and this is what we're going to be speaking on today, that the waiting room many times can be a place of testing. And today we're calling the message refined. Because when you and I are tested, we are being refined. We are being sharpened. We are being adjusted. We're being fine-tuned for God's purposes in our lives. And we can see this period of where God is, is refining us. He's tweaking us and making minor and major adjustments at time to bring us into new positions in our lives to higher levels. Psalm 66 verse 10 to 12 says, For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our back. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. Where before maybe there wasn't abundance. Before maybe that blessing wasn't there. But see, we had to go through several things where we had burdens laid upon our backs People were riding over our, people were talking smack left and right about you, about me, about our church, about our relationship. They were just saying all kinds of things. But God used this to bring us to a new place, to a place of abundance. See, I don't know if you can believe this today or not, but that, but that, that place where you're at, Amen. I don't know what, because <laughs> I'm making too much noise. Amen. Praise God. So, they want me to take my jacket off. Is this hitting against the microphone too much? It's okay. So, see, still amazing. So, that place where, if you can believe that, where that place that you find yourself right now, that place where, we find ourselves where there is fire. There is water. There are people riding over our heads. We got to believe that God is using that to bring us to a new place. To a new place where there wasn't something before, but now the Word of God says there will be abundance. There is abundance. And see, allowing God to work in our lives is not something that we enjoy at times. Praise God. Praise the Lord, everybody. It's not. It, it, it's, it's difficult work and it hurts and there's times that it's very, very painful. But the one thing that I've learned as I find myself in God's waiting room from time to time is that God won't move us out of the waiting room until we've learned what we need to learn. So you and I need to be very attentive when we're in the waiting room. We have to be observant as to what is going on around us because if we hope to one day have our name called and to be moved to that new place of abundance, we need to learn what God is trying to teach us in this very, very moment right now. And this moment is important. 
And this moment is hard. This moment is difficult. But we have to understand that our life is not just made up of one moment. Our life is made up of very moment, of very many moments that lead to a journey. But each moment builds upon each other. Each moment leads to something new. And whether it's a good moment or it's a, a trying moment or it's a moment where you and I are just very uncomfortable, we need to learn what God is trying to teach us while we are in that waiting room. I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1. This is where we're going to be speaking from today. We'll have it up on the screen if you didn't bring your, your, your Bibles. If you have your Bible app, you can tap to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. And we're going to read verse 6 and verse 7. Amen. The Word of God says, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, verse 7. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. I'm going to read verse 7 again. For the spirit that God gave us does not make us timid, but it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Now, as we look at this verse, I believe we can break it down into three different parts. There's a call. There's a call for you and I to fan the flames. If you ever set a, uh, if you have a fireplace at home and you've turned on a fire that, and it's uh, real logs, you, 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 after a little while it starts dying down and you go up to it with a piece of paper or cardboard and you start fanning it and the, the flames come back up. Amen. This is what... The Apostle Paul is telling Timothy, that flame that was in you, there's going to be times where you're going to have to work to make it come back up again. Because it's not always going to be sustained if you, if you let it go. There's got to be an attention to it. There's got to be where you put uh, your eyes to it. You put your, your heart to it. You are intentional in your walk with God. The second thing that we can see is that there's a reminder to be bold with the love that God gives us. That he does not make us timid, but that he's given us power, love. And the third thing, to be self-disciplined. And today I, I kind of want to focus on this last part, the self-discipline. What, what do you think of when you hear the word discipline? You might not think of something fun. You might not think of something exciting at that moment. Because discipline can have very many negative connotations to it. But I looked it up and I brought it so we can understand what discipline means. The word discipline means the controlled behavior resulting from such training. Another definition is the activity or experience that provides mental or physical training. That you train oneself to do something in a controlled and habitual way. So the Apostle Paul mentioned the word self-discipline. Where, he, where the definition is doing these things, the things that you're focusing on, the things that you need to accomplish, 
doing these things on your own. Everybody say on your own. Without any outside prodding. Without any outside prodding. That means that if, that if we are talking about prayer and you know that there's prayer going on, then no one has to come up to you to tell you, hey, we got to go pray. This is on your own. That means that if we're talking about, hey, we should make days of fasting and chains of fasting, it's all good to make chains of fasting and prayer. But there comes a time in our spiritual lives where there's got to be a self-discipline in, in, inside of us where we're intentional about what we want to accomplish in our spiritual lives and that if you and I want to be close to God and if you and I want to learn what God is teaching us while we are in the waiting room, we have to be self-disciplined and we got to do certain things on our own without Someone continuously being after us. Hey, did you pray today? Did you, did you read your Bible today? How many chapters did you read? Did you do some sort of devotional with God today? Did you, did you sing a song today? Did you pray today? No, self-discipline tells us that the Word of God says that He's given us a spirit of self-discipline that you and I can be self-starters. That you and I can take the initiative to do those things that we know we should be doing. We got to train ourselves in our spiritual disciplines. So if you and I find ourselves in the, in the waiting room of God, but there's a lack of prayer in our lives, there, there's a lack of seeking God in our lives, well, we're going to remain stuck in that waiting room for a longer period of time than what God may intend for you and I because he needs you and I, like I said, to learn what we need to learn while we're there. And we're not going to be receptive to what God is showing us. We're not going to be receptive to what God is trying to teach us if you and I are not close to him. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 22 says, let us. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful." I'm going to say, I'm going to be bold enough to say that it is impossible for you and I to do this, to draw near to God and something not happen in our lives. Just because you and I come to church every Sunday doesn't mean that we're drawing near to God. Now we're going, we're taking a step in the right direction. We need to be present as we spoke a few weeks ago. We need to be present in the potter's house. But we need to find that moment in our lives where we come to God and we uh, truly come before His throne, truly come before His presence to where things begin to change in our hearts and in our lives. And, and, and if you and I are saying that we're drawing near to God, but nothing is changing in our lives. We continue falling into the same temptations. We continue in the same addictions. We continue with the same issues in our hearts, in our lives. 
then I would submit to you that we're truly not drawing near to God. Because when you and I draw near to God, things happen. And we, cont- we grow content with false appointments in our lives. We, we, we begin to trust in hollow traditions in our lives. We begin to pray empty prayers in our lives. We, we read God's word, but not truly looking for change, but trying to make ourselves feel better about what we're doing or not doing. And we tend to look at, the, at those verses that say, uh, talk about grace, what grace is awesome, grace is good. And we say, okay, well, God will forgive me. God is good, which he is. But those verses are not just to tickle your, to, to make you feel good or to, like I said last week, make you feel all fuzzy and warm inside. Those, everything you and I read in the word of God should cause an effect in our lives and a change in our lives. And if you have not allowed for some of these things in our lives, prayer, fasting, spiritual disciplines, coming to church, praising God, worshiping God to begin to make a change in your life, then we're not drawing near to God. We're just going through routines. Draw near to God, not only in the good times, but even when you and I are in the waiting room. You draw near to God, not because the pastor tells you to, or not just because uh, you've been uh, manipulated into something. You draw near to God because there is a hunger in your heart. There is a thirst in your soul for knowing God even closer, for being in a relationship with God that truly transforms you. But we have to be self-disciplined. You need to learn to feed yourself. Man, we have our, our babies and at the beginning and when they're two months, three months, four months, or uh, when they start eating, uh, transitioning out from formula to, to some Gerber and some of these other kinds of foods that we give them, what do we do to them? We, we, we play airplane, right? Here comes the airplane. And you have them open their mouth and, and you're feeding them. But there comes a day when you expect for your child to learn to do what? To feed himself. There comes that moment when you want your child to hold his own bottle. And there comes a moment in our spiritual lives where we need to learn to feed ourselves. We, we, we return to the very basics of our Christianity and we continue in prayer day in and day out. But real prayer, not just as the word of God says, Jesus said that the Pharisees, they just prayed in, in repetitious prayers, vain babblings. A continuous prayer when you have a talk with God where you Pour out your heart to him. When you read God's word with expectation, expecting to learn something that day, when you open the Bible and you're excited to to see what God is going to tell you today, because the 
Word of God says that it's living and active. When you worship out of adoration and you come to church and we sing nothing is impossible, but you truly sing it with your faith squarely put on Jesus, that nothing is impossible with him. That no matter what could happen, no matter that what has happened, no matter the, uh, the bad news or the bad situation, you find yourself that God is worthy to be praised and to be worshipped. That you give to God because he gave to you. And you don't just give to God because you expect him to bless you back in return. Yeah, now God does bless you. But what about those times that you give and you feel like you're not being blessed? What do we do? We continue giving. Because we, ex- we don't give an expectation of something in return. We give out of our gratitude for God. So when the word of God says that you got to fan the flames, we need to learn to feed ourselves. We need to learn to come before God in prayer. We need to be self-disciplined. Second thing that we need to do is that we got to refine or refine your heart. When we draw near to God, he begins to reveal the imperfections in our own hearts. Psalm 139 verse 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. See, this is a very sincere prayer by the psalmist because we can on the outside say that we love God, give the appearance of holiness, give the appearance of uh, of being someone close to God, but the psalmist was not just concerned about the outside appearance. The psalmist was concerned about his heart. What is going on inside of me? What is going on inside of my head? What is it that is keeping me from truly having a real relationship with my God? Because just as dark and light cannot coexist, neither can sin and God be together in the same place. David recognizes this and he says, Lord, search my heart. Because you know me. If anyone knows me better than I know myself, it's you, Lord. Test me. Wow, what a prayer, huh? Lord, I need to be tested. I need to know who I am. I don't know. There's something within me. I don't understand what it is. I need you to test me. I need to be in the waiting room. I need to be waiting. I need to, I need to have a seat and be still just hear you and learn from you. I don't like being in the waiting room. I want to be moving. I want to be doing things. I want to feel like I'm accomplishing something. I want to feel like I'm progressing. I want to feel like like things are happening around me. I want to feel like I'm being successful. I want to feel like uh, people are looking up to me. I want to feel like like things are going on that, that I want them to go on and yet I need you to test me. And if it means that I need to stay still for just a moment, then I need to stay still. I need to be tested, God. Search me. Know me. And then he says, point out everything. 
or anything in me that offends you and leads me along and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So David recognizes this and he he cries out to God, I need you to show me God. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 5, there's something similar where Isaiah is before God, before the throne of God and he says, woe to me. I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. You have to understand that when you and I come before God's throne, we have to understand His position. That He is a God of holiness. He is a God of perfection. He is a God that is unlike any other God or anything that we could even understand. And sometimes we come very nonchalantly to church. Expecting for blessings, expecting for all kinds of things to happen. But you and I in our hearts and our lives, we haven't even drawn close to God. And there are so many things in our heart that need to be addressed. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Godly sorrow is a constant reminder that we need more of Jesus. When you and I come to this place, there should be an an acceptance or an understanding of, of how much we need Jesus in our lives. That we are people of unclean lips. That we are surrounded by people of unclean lips. We can't even drive down the highway without being visually attacked by things that go against God's will. And we got to come before God and, and ask God for forgiveness in our lives and for Him to search our hearts and to remove those things that keep us from Him. Because the reality is, church, that our sin can withhold God's blessings in our lives. Have you ever been out driving and um, down the freeway, right? This happens on occasion to us. And you're driving, you're going 65, 60 miles an hour. You're going down 635 or down the tollway. But out of nowhere, out of nowhere, maybe one, two cars or a couple of motorcycles, they just, looks like they're going 130 miles an hour. And they scare you half to death. You're with your family. You're like, oh my gosh. And have you ever said, I wish there was a cop right up ahead so they can get caught? Amen. And then you keep driving, hoping for them, and you don't see nothing. I've never never seen it happen before me. And see, and we, we tend to be that way in our spiritual lives where... We don't even realize that we're the ones going 130 miles per hour. But yet we're looking at other people just going, going, and we're like, I wish God would just speak to that person. Mm, That person needs a touch of God. God's going to take care of him. When we should look at ourselves, look at our internal thoughts, look at our our heart, 
because our own sin can many times withhold God's blessings. And the truth is, it's, that easy, it's easy to point out somebody else's flaws. It is. But when somebody points out your flaws, don't judge me. The Word of God says not to be judging people. And you're right, they shouldn't be judging you. But you should be taking care of yourself. You should be in a position where you're constantly before God in prayer and asking him, Lord, search me. Reveal, test me. But when I, I look at my trouble, I look at my own troubles, I look at my own sins, those are the first issues I need to address, not somebody else's issues. You and I can give advice, you and I can counsel, you and I can, can give sound, sound wisdom to somebody, but at the end of the day, you're not going to change that person. It's going to be God's Spirit working in their lives, and all we can do is try to give the best example of living through Christ as we can give to them. Proverbs 11.3 says, The integrity of the upright guides them. But the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. See, when you and I walk close with God, our integrity with him, that's what's going to guide us. Because we know that the word of God says we should trust in God. We know that it says that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But we also know that the word of God says that we should not lie. Also says, know that the word of God says that when you and I look at a, 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 another woman and we lust after that, that, that is adultery. We also know that the word of God says that you and I should not be addicted to things that, that are cause damage to our lives and to our hearts and to our bodies because we are the temple of God. And our integrity, our fanning of the flames through the reading of the word will guide us. Proverbs 12.3 says, No one can be established through wickedness, but the righteous cannot be uprooted. Understand this. Two weeks ago, there was a major hailstorm here, right over here in this area. We were at, at Fuddruckers having a great old time. We saw the lightning. We saw that. We decided to, hey, you know, let's... let's Let's go ahead and go home before it gets bad. Some people got stuck in the road. A man trying to head home. We didn't get anything. But what happens is that when storms come, if something is not deeply rooted, if something doesn't have a good foundation, it gets blown away. And this is the same in our spiritual lives that the righteous, when you and I lead our lives through the word of God, when you and I... Learn to fan the flames in our lives, we cannot be uprooted. We may find ourselves in the waiting room. We may find ourselves just waiting and waiting, and we see storms come. We see things happen. We see other people being called ahead of us. But because we know who we are, and even though God is testing us at that moment, we won't be uprooted. But we need to fan the flame. We need to refine our hearts. Because there are consequences for our sin. 
There are short-term consequences. Your addictions cause damage to your body. Your lust will lower your, your ideals of other people as you look at other people. Gossip will you lose respect for other people as you gossip. When you lie, trust is lost. When there's greed, you have financial losses. But there's also long-term issues when you and I sin in our lives. When there's sin in our lives, there can be loss of relationships, loss of marriage, loss of friendships. There can be loss of self-control in the case of addictions. The loss of respect from others. There can be bankruptcies and the loss of our health. So we have a choice to make, church. We have a choice to make. We either go to full repentance or partial repentance. And here's the difference. Full repentance assumes full responsibility for the sin, for the issue. It doesn't place blame or create an excuse. It's simply, God, I messed up. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. And I need you to help me to get through this. I've hurt people. I've lost certain things. And I need you to show me what I must do to make it right. See, but partial repentance is, is just that. That you don't go all the way through. You'll, you'll hear things like, I, I, I'm sorry. But the reality is that maybe they're just sorry because they got caught. Because if they hadn't got caught, nothing would have changed. I'm sorry. And then the next day... We're doing the same thing. Nothing really changes. So we have a decision to make, church, that when you and I do things that go against the will of God, there's got to be a full repentance in our lives in order to be refined by him. But here's the good news. That even in your sin, that even in those moments where you've been weak and now you find yourself in the waiting room, that even then, God is calling out to you. You and I find ourselves here, not just because we don't have nothing else to do on Sundays, but because we know that God has a plan for our lives and that God has been calling out to us. Romans chapter 6, verse 12 says, Therefore, do not let sin Reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. When you and I come before God, We accept his love. We accept his forgiveness. And we give our lives to him. Sin no longer has power over us. You and I can put a stop to it. You and I have the opportunity to ask God through his Holy Spirit that he cleanses, that he purifies us. And there will be moments that you need help. There's nothing wrong with you and I asking for help. But it's time for us to of our lives and not allow that sin to reign in us. So I'm going to ask you to take a moment and ask yourself this question. 
Does my life represent a tool that can be used by God? The person that I am, what I have in my hands, what I have in my life, is this something that can be used by God? Or are there parts in my life that I'm not allowing God to use, I'm not allowing God to have because I just won't let go? Or is there something that we need to bring before God today so that he can begin to refine us? He can begin to sharpen us. What do you need to truly turn from today? I'm going to ask you to stand. So here's the good... The good thing is that God continues to work in our lives. And even when there's messages where we just feel like, man, wow, this is just, I'm beating myself up. This is awful. This is hard. This is something that's difficult for me to look at, to accept. The good news is that God is, is lovingly trying to reach out to you. That he wants to take that, that, difficult thing in your life that you find yourself in the waiting room and and he wants to take that so that you and I can learn what we need to learn if there's something we need to leave behind we need to leave it behind if there's something that we need to get help with we need to get help with it if there's an addiction in our lives that we need to bring it out to light then we need to bring it out to the light but what is God asking you to do today take this And bring it before God. Last week I said that even in this, you're still God. And even in our duplicity, as the word of God says, even in our sin, even in our moments of difficulty, in our moments of even shame, God is still God. In all things. And if you feel like you're in God's waiting room, and you're sitting and just waiting, and, and you feel like, like there's something that should be different in your life, then maybe it's time to stop looking at all those that are in the, waiting room, in the waiting room with you, and maybe it's time to look inside your heart. What is God asking me to do? What is it that I haven't addressed? What is it that I haven't taken care of in life? I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Lord Jesus, sometimes when we read your word and when we come before you, we realize just how much more we need of you. And There are moments when, as we think about our sin and we think about the things that we've done that go against your will, we... We feel shame in our lives. We feel that that we're not worthy of you, God. But in this moment, in this time, Lord Jesus, I just ask you that your love reach out to us and that your love, Lord, begins to change our hearts, that your love begins to purify us, to refine us, that your love begins to search us so that those things that are deep, 
inside of us, those things that are hidden within us, that we may remove them, that as we find ourselves in the waiting room, that we can begin to examine ourselves so as that we learn what we need to learn. And as we move out of the waiting room into the new level that you have for us, that we can go out and be a blessing for not just our families, not just our church, but to our community, to our city, to the world. Lord, we understand, Lord, that we are not perfect. That we make mistakes, but we just ask you, Lord, that you cleanse us from our sins. And as we move forward, Lord, that you can begin to transform our hearts. That we can be righteous and that we can walk in integrity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what is God asking you to do today? We're going to open up this altar. We're going to give you an opportunity to come today before God. Just come talk with us.